0: In Britain, if you talk about Atlantis, you're automatically considered to be mad. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't need to do anything else to qualify for the madhouse. Just say the word Atlantis and they'll put you in it. However, um, it, it's a very, that's a very irrational view of of Atlantis. What's intriguing about the Plato story of Atlantis is that he actually puts a date on it, which very few myths do. He said that it happened 9,000 years before the story reached the Greeks. And that takes us back uh, to 9,600 B.C., which right. is 11,600 years ago. Right. And that's smack in the middle of one of the big episodes of sea level rise at the end of the ice age. Isn't it intriguing that the phenomenon he describes, which is a worldwide flood, a flood that affected both the Atlantic and the Mediterranean and which destroyed a great civilization, that such events were happening at that time? You're listening
1: to Canary Cry Radio, and here are your hosts, Basil and Vaughn.
0: Hey everyone! Thanks for tuning in to Canary Cry Radio. We've got a great show this week. My name is Basil,
1: and I'm gone and we've been gone for a while.
0: This is our special Christmas special episode, our New Year's 2013 episode. No. It's so late in the year now.
1: We, we're so far behind. Sorry. Our goal uh, is to put one episode out a week, which hopefully we'll get on track and get there, but...
0: We did that. We've, we've done it
1: before. We've done two a week.
0: No, we, we were on hiatus. This is a holiday... Hol- holiday. Holiday. <laughs> I don't know what that accent even is. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're back, and um, we're glad you guys are back listening, too. We hope that you um, had your own... Canary Cry hiatus and got to recharge, but uh, we're back, it's a new year, we're gonna start doing it
1: right. Yes, and yep. before we really get going on the topic today, which is Atlantis, Atlantis. Uh, Toth, and the Bible, Yeah, we wanted to pitch the forum real quick. We know uh, you guys wanted a forum, and so Basil somehow got pencil and paper out and figured out a way to get a forum on our website it's fancy some calculations on the chalkboard there uh-huh.
0: so it's there and it's nice and it's shiny and we we know that a lot of you are there and that's great but those of you who uh maybe don't know about it maybe just go straight to itunes or for your canary cry fix just know that there is canarycryradio.com and there's a forum there and there's all sorts of other stuff cool stuff that you can look at
1: yeah, and definitely email us with comments and questions. You can just uh, you can do that if you reach out to us on canarycryradio at gmail dot com. Yep. And um, before we jump in, we want to thank all the people that supported Canary Cry Radio either through prayer or financially or however it was this past year. We are so stoked that you guys are part of this thing because we started it and we you know Basil and I we had no idea that it was gonna.
0: It's a step of faith, and you guys are helping us keep it going here. There are some menial costs, and uh, we thank you for stepping out and helping us with that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now just just so you're aware, Gonson, this is this is for everybody. Um, I I okay. I'm going to be real honest with everyone. I f- I for kind of forgot we we're going to record this tonight, and so. I was so excited when I got home from work and I uh I, I just kinda hopped straight in bed, was watching my soaps on Hulu, and um <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is gonna be real nice. I'm gonna have a real early bedtime, I'm gonna get up early on Saturday and really get some work done. And I, I took a couple Advil PM to, to help. Yeah. And those are just about starting to kick
1: in right now. So um so Basil's under the influence. So, so pharmakia is I need prayer, okay, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but if if I I don't know, if I sound distracted or uh I don't know, if we'll I let, start
1: we'll let you know if you give us a thought that you make sound really profound, but really it's really not all that profound.
0: Yeah, or if I just sound like an idiot, you can just blame it on on the drugs and pray for me tonight. <laughs> So, okay, that was just a forewarning before we get into the mystical um, Atlantis stuff.
1: And I guess I guess it's sort of fitting. Sort I, of, I guess. In a way. I'm sh-
0: yeah, I'm sure they had loads of Advil PM yeah. in Atlantis.
1: <laughs> well, All right. yeah, so our topic tonight is Atlantis, Toth, and the Bible. And, I mean, Atlantis has always I, I, been what?
0: Ah, ah well I was just gonna say I, I I forgot to mention this to you also in the beginning of the show and I guess just okay. everybody can hear it now but I'm pretty excited about this show because it's uh, maybe it's just the Advil talking but <laughs> I I feel like this is kind of going back to some like some olden days of canary cry radio uh, uh just on the ridiculousness not ridiculous but just the the
1: speculativeness
0: speculativeness right and and also it has a little bit to do with um, you know like the one world order and the Masons and stuff and I think I was like getting a little bit too comfortable you know with not angering the powers that be by talking about all their secrets and things like that but um, it's kind of kind of gave me a little rush again it could be the drugs but <laughs> I'm excited for the show and you all should be too
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Atlantis definitely is one of those things that I mean. I remember hearing about it. I think I was in high school, where right, when I really sort of understood what it was, which was, a, you know, a story, a mythology of this possible right. ancient advanced civilization, and uh-huh. and you know what's funny is I was talking actually um, to my stepdaughter today, okay, and she's talking. She goes to a Christian school, so she does. She's not going to get this, but. I was telling her like, yeah, you know, when I was in sixth grade, fifth grade, I mean, we were taught Egypt. Like we went through Egypt like crazy, like not just, you know, the kind of living they had, but we went through all of their, you know, religions, their gods, you know, Ra, right. the sun. I mean, we, we even did like drawings and stuff of the eye. And like, I'm thinking back and I'm like, wow, this, this like flood of memories came back. And I'm like, wow, I was being indoctrinated like crazy right. in the well, public it is- school system.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's actually really true that the whole ancient a- Egypt thing. You don't really think about it, but there's such a huge emphasis on it in school. Kind of oddly so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely Ra the sun god, Ka, you know, his son and the bird god, the bird god and Ka! I mean, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. That that right. was I couldn't I couldn't do any better than that
0: yeah there you okay. go people um, so yeah the, it's all over the place
1: yeah and we know that uh, this is some obvious stuff that most of you guys probably know some of the big historical accounts or uh, things written about Atlantis Plato uh, the Greek philosopher mentioned it he, he basically wrote about Atlantis this land that existed uh, it, it was a continent that supposedly laid in the Atlantic Ocean near the Straits of Gibraltar until its destruction but it seems like he didn't either finish the, his thoughts or he just let it go because he doesn't really get too detailed about it. Um, right. But it does get mentioned by Plato.
0: Yeah. Well, and there was a, uh, I think Disney made a movie about it a little while ago.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: That, yeah. When that, that one, like, that. I think it was like a span of like five years where they are still getting the last of their like hand-drawn animation out, and everybody was had really angular-looking faces. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Buddy. Yeah. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Now we've all heard of the legend of Atlantis, pure fantasy. Well, that is where you'd be wrong. That young Thatch gets crazier every year. I can prove Atlantis exists. I'm sure of it this time milo james thatch i'm acting on behalf of my employer who has a most intriguing proposition for you so i don't know there's that
1: i went on a ride called atlantis i think it was in vegas i was like a kid and i went on it with my sister
0: that's you know, nice. And we
1: were thoroughly disappointed. It was a terrible <laughs> ride. It was terrible. It was awful. It was uh, anyway.
0: Well, it is a ride in Vegas. It's not really.
1: It wasn't even a ride. You're
0: supposed to either be like hammered or, I don't know, not, with not
1: when you're like twelve or something. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, Atlantis. All right. Continuing on.
1: All right. Another person that uh, talked about Atlantis is Edgar Casey, and as some of you guys right. know, he is known as the Sleeping Prophet. Uh, we haven't really talked about him a whole lot. And no. I mean, I, I remember hearing about Edgar Casey on the History Channel. I think I was in high school actually watching the History Channel and they did a whole thing about his psychic ability and his um, ability to tap right. into the, right. to the ether and, and get information and heal people. And he did, you know, tens of thousands of healings. And mm-hmm. um, it was just another one of those things. And his prediction was that a tomb would be discovered beneath the Sphinx at Giza In which I guess in the tomb Atlantis's existence would be verified and confirmed. So, right. Who knows? Do we have anything else about that? I, you know, I've heard, did we follow up with him? Well, I mean, all we would have to do is follow up on David Wilcock because he claimed to be the reincarnation of Edgar Cayce and even wrote a book about it. Oh yeah. So that's nice. Um, but I, I think in my days of, uh, following people like Wilcock I remember him talking about somebody who because they won't let you dig you know they, the I mean right. it used to be Zawi Hawass but now I, I don't know who's in charge over there but in Egypt they don't they don't just like let you dig stuff but
0: understandably so right
1: but uh, there there was I think some seismograph stuff done which verified that there is some sort of chamber or something underneath the sphinx um, right but yeah they can't go any further than that right now so
0: well that's probably for the
1: best yeah yeah They'll probably okay. find the Ark of the Covenant or something. Something cool, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, well, how did you hear about Atlantis? What What do you remember? Do you is there anything? Well,
0: yeah, well, yeah. I mean, uh, Discovery Channel was a big. Um, I think was my, the the big one for me, besides the Disney Channel as well, and their mo- crappy movie. But. Um, I remember watching what it, it was like a it was a documentary on the Disney not Disney Channel documentary channel thank you Advil Discovery Channel what did I say you said documentary channel <sighs> all right I gotta slow down <laughs> the Discovery Channel or Nat Geo or one of those uh, was watching a documentary on Atlantis and they had you know little I think they it was a big one of the big unmanned submarine little robot ones where you know they had found the titanic and cruised around right. and so they somebody was looking for atlantis and you know I, i'm i don't know exactly what it was there's a lot of rocks and things underwater but i just remember thinking as a kid like ah oh, that's so cool and i didn't really think about it but then a few years later i like saw it again i was like oh that's Cool, those are really expensive robots. Who, why are they doing this? Who's giving them money to do this? This is a ridiculous thing to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, now knowing what I know now about all the, you know, rich and powerful people who would love to find their uh, ancient technologies and secrets, knowledge, yeah. secret knowledge of the universe that they believe would be there, I now know that there are probably, uh, a certain number of very wealthy and powerful gentlemen um, smoking big cigars in, um, I don't know, an a, a old train somewhere or something who are putting up the, the money to do that.
1: Yeah, um, And there was, a few years ago, there was somebody, um, a couple or something that took underwater, this might be what you're talking about, uh, underwater pictures of what looked like pyramid structures. Maybe. And it was off the coast of somewhere. I don't remember is where that it was. I think it was be, the gulf.
0: That's in, that's supposed to be um the Bermuda Triangle, isn't that kind of connected to the same thing? Yeah, that? it's
1: it's that general area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so maybe maybe something is going on there. But, you know, my 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 basic theory, I think doing the research for this episode definitely I came to a point where I'm like, eh, maybe my theory is wrong, but I can sort of reconcile it, you know, using some twisted logic. Right. Uh, But my basic theory is that Atlantis, uh, the bulk of it anyway, was the antediluvian world, the the pre-flood world. Right. That we know so little about through the Bible. We get glimpses of what happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's extra biblical texts that seem to give us a glimpse, more of a glimpse of what was going on. But um, that's what I think it was. And I think um, after some of the research here, some, some of that information, well, obviously the information survived the flood and right. survived the destruction of whatever Atlantis was potentially after that point uh, right. in, in some form. And well, we- there's,
0: some, there's some interesting things regarding Atlantis and we're going we're gonna to focus more on Atlantis and sort of how, um, you know, where that would relate to the Bible and later on we'll talk about the Emerald Tablets, but just on the surface You know, there's there's a very surface level of the Atlantis mystery, which is, you know, supposedly Atlantis sank into the ocean. Right. Or, you know, was covered by water. And so, you know, uh the flood, Noah's flood is is a good place to start.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there's some people that have speculated, like geologists who are Bible believing Christians, and I I don't know I don't have the names in front of me, but I've listened to lectures and stuff in the past where they've talked about how the earth was, you know, geologically different uh, before the flood. And you read some of the scriptures and talks about, you know, God separated the waters from the waters and all this stuff. There's speculation out there that the earth was, you know, it was this big sphere, but it was, there was a layer of water. And then there was this layer above the water that was granite you know or or some other you know substance. Right. The firmament, you know, in Hebrew and then above that was, you know, like a cloud layer sort of right. thing. Right,
0: kind of the the canvas. Yeah, the canvas. Some of the more scientific Christians um, would know. And just real quick, the, um, also the the concept of Pangea as well, right, is uh, just to make this nice little scientific Bible connection. Is you know that's that's a very scriptural thing too as well. So where that's that's sort of the era we're talking about,
1: right? Right. I mean, you know, obviously secular sciences will tell us that Pangea was whatever millions or billions of years ago or whatever, but you know, it's quite possible that it wasn't that long ago. You know, closer to maybe ten thousand or twenty thousand years or something. I don't know, right. um, and they make sense because the Bible talks about no rain at that point. You know, the mist came from the ground to right. uh, feed the plants and all this stuff. And, you know, maybe that's why there's a, and I was just speculating here, but maybe that's why humans have this like strange affinity with fountains. You know, like, you yeah. notice how people just like, they love fountains. <laughs> yeah. And you go to Vegas and you have like this huge water show and all this stuff. And it's like, maybe that's some kind of, you know, memory in, in the human, you know, spirit or something that, that you know, right. before the destruction of uh, of the world through Noah's flood, there was uh, some pretty impressive fountain like things <laughs> that watered like, the earth.
0: I like myself a good fountain.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, these these are just speculation. Larger plants, you know. So things were things were bigger, and fruit was bigger. And- right.
0: Actually, I I just became aware of a certain large Christian institution who spent a million dollars on a
1: fountain uh, wow. recently.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's uh we, that's, we lo- a,
1: that's a really good way to spend uh church money is we like, la- we like
0: our fountains. I'm not, <laughs> not saying it's a church, not saying okay, it's not saying a church, th- just saying it's, it's a Christian institution,
1: Christian institution. That sounds right. like uh. we're, we're just going to leave it there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay let's let's go on <laughs> okay before we uh, okay
0: um atlantis that's what we atlantis
1: yeah. <laughs> there it is okay so yeah so living in that in that era before the flood was quite different i think there was something very different you know obviously with uh just your day-to-day there's probably
0: dinosaurs as well probably
1: yeah yeah you know, i'd say so
0: this was before the flood and that's you know what killed the dinosaurs in my it's, opinion. it's possible, yeah, like, yeah they couldn't fit on the ark sorry,
1: Rex, maybe <laughs> what if what if it was a a baby Rex or an egg rex?
0: well, what happens to baby Rex is they get bigger, yeah, gone.
1: yeah, not in forty days though gones you don't know that actually okay. they, they were in there longer anyway, okay, so um so what we're going to try to do here is start in the Bible and trace the possible I guess you can call it an incursion or cause what I believe is that the, whatever knowledge was passed down through Atlantis and all this stuff, that's the knowledge that came from fallen angels. Like that's just right. my, my, that's my take on it. Right. And I, we're going to try to give you through the Bible and some other, some other extra biblical text, a line of thinking, like, where did it really start? You know, where did it really come from? And I think Satan right. was around obviously doing his thing, but somehow he had to, you know, infect the rest of us. Right. Right. Indeed. And it
0: instantly sounds like a heretical thing, much like a lot of the things we talk about here. The evidence of Atlantis in the Bible or where Atlantis would fit in if it in fact was a real thing. And so just bear with us and it will all make sense eventually.
1: But yeah, let's let's start in Genesis 4, 11 and 12, which is basically the account of Cain. Mm-hmm. And Cain, uh, you know, he was after he killed Abel.
0: He was a just a restless soul. He just
1: was not good. He was bad. So (laughs) (laughs) it's very simple. Um, He's
0: troubled. He's troubled. Troubled. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he, uh, he's cursed um, and driven from the ground. And, and it says here in 12 uh, verse 12 of Genesis four, it says, when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And so you think about Cain, right? And he's uh, again. The earth looks different now. You know, it's not. It's not like all right. I'm going to wander over to Africa, or I'm going to wander over to, I don't know, the Americas or something. It's just geologically, it's potentially different. Yes. And the Bible tells us that he goes east of Eden to the land of Nod, and um, which is, I don't know if you've heard about this, Basil, but it's like some land of Nod is. uh, We get a magazine occasionally, a, a catalog. I think it's some. It's a store of some kind that sells... Called, called Land of Nod? Yeah, yeah. They sell, like, girly products or something. What the heck? Yeah, I, I was telling my wife that, and... Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's the thing that that I find interesting. Because I think Cain, he's cursed. I think there's something there about being cursed there that right. that opens up the invitation of these beings to come in and start helping him out. Because...
0: Right, well, Cain, he was pretty pissed off at this point, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, and, and, and he can't grow food, right? Because he's cursed and he can't... You know, God basically says, you, you, you can't grow crops. Like, you're and there's some, do
0: some tension there between him and God, which makes him prime target for some other celestial beings.
1: Yeah, and I think what happened was, okay, Cain goes to the land of Nod and he's unable to produce crops from the ground, so he's got to figure out a different way to sustain life. And I think that's when the sons of God God. started coming down and started talking to, to Cain somehow, maybe side
0: note, the sons of God, we just uh, did an episode on uh, him, them, those guys, those
1: guys. Yeah. The divine council, a good
0: good friend, Dr. Michael Heiser. Yeah. So if you're confused, you can go listen to that um,
1: at your leisure. Yeah. And Michael Heiser was awesome.
0: Yeah. Just as a note, I'm sorry. Those of you who who haven't listened to the Michael Heiser, Sons of God are, they're not good guys.
1: Well, yeah, they're the ones that were part of what's called the divine council, which is basically God's bureaucracy, if you will, is how Michael Heiser puts it. Right. And they basically rebelled. They followed Satan, Um, which, I mean, I was thinking about this, you know, as I was putting this together, but is it possible that they actually came down, the Sons of God came down to actually help, cain like genuinely you know like maybe god I, I was like
0: right well i think it's possible and and there are there are allusions to that all over the place just even lucifer's name being the light bringer and right and the secret society the power that be the masons the illuminati worship basically of the Lightbringer, bringing knowledge which is right, exactly. more or less what these sons of god are at this time that we are talking about May have been helping out Cain, bringing some knowledge to help him survive.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of ambiguous as to whether it's a truly evil thing. It's, it's you know, because I'm not sitting here saying, you know, all the things he was taught was evil. And here you go. But right. it's, it's interesting to kind of think about and speculate there. But um, right, Cain has a son named Enoch. But this Enoch is not the Enoch that we're used to hearing about, or at least not, I don't think. Sh- Right. As far as, I mean, it's definitely not the Enoch that comes from the uh, the other line, Seth's line, the one that's, right. like, you know, the bloodline for the Messiah.
0: We're at, we're at a different point in time here. This is, we're talking third generation human being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this not, point. Not,
1: not too far into the. Uh, right. Okay.
0: Yeah. So different Enoch, not the book of Enoch, Enoch.
1: No. Um. Well, see, that's the thing that I'm like, well, maybe in the book of, but anyway. Okay. That's maybe well, for another another scholar or something. Open for discussion. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, Cain, if you keep reading there in Genesis, Cain basically builds a city. And okay, so if you're building a city, he's what? the He's the first generation human, right? Or second generation, sorry. Second, second generation human. And he's building a c- city and he names it the city of Enoch. Right. He names it after Enoch. And so I think this city is basically like, Blueprint, you know. I mean, okay. Yeah, this is the, this
0: is the first city. Yeah, where, where once we were living with God in the Garden, the stewards of creation, and living, where once we lived in a symbiotic relationship with uh, God and nature and creation, we're all together living happily. How presumably, you know, we are created to live. Now Cain goes off, cursed, gains knowledge from. These, um, beings who give him knowledge of alchemy and building and, and technology basically. And, and now Cain decides to go build himself a city.
1: Right. It's all kind of too much of a coincidence, I think. But yeah, this is, I guess, the first utopian quote unquote society that I guess Cain tried to create after, after the fall. So just something to speculate there. And then it really doesn't give us a whole lot more other than the fact that, uh, Enoch has a child named Erad. Erad has a child named Mehujael, which means to strike God. He has a son named Methushael, which means man of God, interestingly. Uh, then he has a son named Lamech. And then Lamech practices a little polygamy action there and marries two wives, Ada and Zila. And from Adah, uh, Lamech has two kids named Jabal, which uh, he's... Affiliated with livestock and tents, and Jubal is the other one, um, affiliated with harps and the flute and all the uh, musical instruments. And then Lamech, with his other wife Zillah, has the child Tubal Cain, who is. Did you do the dun dun dun?
0: I was about to. Okay. Dun dun dun. There it is.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tubal Cain, and he's uh, affiliated with bronze making and metal—you know, making tools and. He's a craftsman. Yeah. And so it's very interesting that that's the generation that is noted as being, you know, defined generation of technological or civilization or advancing in civilization and knowledge or something.
0: Right. And interestingly enough, Tubal Cain, for those of you who are up on your uh, masonry um, handbook, is um, a very, very dominant character. Right because of the whole obsession with crafting Crafting, and masonry and, and things like that, that they basically worship. Um, So that's where we're at and that's where he comes from.
1: Yeah. And um, just a note here, we're going to leave this note for a later connection, a possible connection. I mean, there may be nothing to it, but when you look at the generations from Enoch, this, this different Enoch from Cain's line to Tubal Cain and Jabal and Jubal. It's five generations. So just um. kind of have that hanging out in your brain and then we'll get to a possible connection. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's there's some different uh, things here. And, you know, as I was doing this, and then it kind of, in, in chapter four of Genesis, it sort of ends there and it goes into, uh, you know, how Seth was born in, in place of Abel and it goes through Seth's line, which is the Messianic line. And I don't know, there was a part of me that was like, okay, God talks about two seeds and, and here, here, here's the Bible, like really explaining two seeds. And I didn't want to go there, you know, and I didn't in the research end of it, but it just made me think like, man, this is really weird.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, it's true. I mean, you, what you've got here is Cain, the the first murderer in, you know, the first murderer ever for the most part. And what we have here is he's, He's cast out, he leaves, he bails, he goes to the land of Nod. And we're considering that the sons of God, the divine council may have came down and talked with him, been like, look, this is a bummer, man, that, that you're cursed. And this is, you know, (laughs) we're, we're here to help you out. It teaches him, gives him the, you know, knowledge of, of craftsmanship, of technology, of all sorts of things,
1: um, yeah, and I think I think the Genesis six account is alluding to this idea that, hey, we'll give you this knowledge, but hey, uh, those women you got there, let's, right. uh, well, let's do they, a little exactly, trade off.
0: Exactly. They they come down, they give technology, and that's where the sons of God come down. And we see the five generations down from eat from uh Cain, we've got the master craftsman, Tubal Cain, who is, you know, one of the main figures of uh you know secret societies today and things like that, and so we have Cain, a line of Cain who's building the cities, who's who's getting all the technology, and um, you know, and then we have the line of Seth, the messianic line.
1: Yeah, the messianic line, the good line. So when we look at the, uh, we know that Seth, there was another Enoch born who walked with God and who who was no more, and and all that stuff, and and you know, presumably this is the Enoch that could possibly be attributed to maybe the first chapter or maybe the just the book of watchers or something of the book of enoch um i think when you get further into the book of enoch it starts getting a little a little crazy <laughs> the the more you go into it the further away it goes from the uh, things that are mentioned in the bible so
0: right and we we've got a whole episode on that you can find
1: Yeah, it's somewhere somewhere in the archives there but uh no noah has three sons uh that would survive the flood with him right and, um, from the day Enoch was born until the day Noah had his three sons was about 934 years. So All right. that's a long time. I mean, that's think about how much we've come in a hundred years, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, the speculation is that, Hey, you know, a hundred years with, uh, maybe some, some new portals opening up in the last century, um, but uh, you know that's all speculation, but anyway th- that's a long time that's a long time for stuff to develop, so right, who knows what was going on you know <laughs> before right. the flood
0: yeah well that that's where the whole s- speculation comes in where you know the antediluvian technology, where just amazing technological feats may have existed at that time, and the world you know we th- we think of it as this sort of you know everybody living in tents and and goat herding and things like that um but it could have been a much more whimsical type of existence.
1: Yeah, and I actually think there's a lot of the ancient mythologies that we read about is based on the the antediluvian world. Right. The creatures we find and...
0: Right. There's talk of creatures, of genetic mutations, of UFOs, of things like that, all existing before the flood. And this is something that is, it's just a huge mind bender because it goes against everything that we've, you know, ever thought about the ancient times. But uh, I'm sure there are those of you who are well read up on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So Noah was uh, 600 years old when the floods came. So It was just a couple interesting tidbits that I was like, I busted out my calculator and I'm like, I'm going to do some calculations. Whoa. Um, Lamech, who is Noah's father, uh, who was 184 when he had Noah, died when he was 777 years old, which meant that he died 595 years after he had Noah, which is only five years before the flood. But more interestingly, Methuselah, who's Noah's grandpa, whose name means man of dart uh, weapon or, you know, men are sent away or something. Some, some, some kind of prophetic implication of something terrible happening. Right. uh, Lived until the year the flood came. And And
0: he he died before the flood or did he die in the flood?
1: I think he died the year of the flood. And actually, as I was doing this, these calculations, I realized that I have heard this. I had heard this teaching from Chuck Missler at some point. Right. And it's kind of weird to uh, confirm something you heard a few years ago. Through just your own research But um, Right Basically what Chuck Mitzler Was talking about Was that Methuselah The name in Hebrew Was Literally it was A prophecy that was known To send the flood You know It was gonna be When he died Then you know That's when God Was gonna judge the world So right. You know the, He makes a joke about like Oh man It must have uh, It must have been really bad Every time he got sick You know People <laughs> People start freaking out You know Right So Funny I know Funny guy Funny guy <laughs> Chuck Missler Chucky Chucky. which interestingly i I've seen him twice in person, and both times it was uh, the first time was really interesting, the second time he couldn't get his slides to work, so he was uh he, he, it was a real bummer, and he looked like he was really confused and and uh, <laughs> uh he's he's getting up there in age too, so I think he was he was kind of over it. You can tell he was totally over <laughs> being up there after like ten minutes because the screen wasn't working. that could get old, yeah. But, uh, okay, let's just speculate like crazy for a moment. Okay. I I think we're going to start labeling this as hyper-speculation. I just like the sound of that because it's Ah. safe. You know, you can say, hey, this is a hyper-speculation moment, and we can just ramble off whatever. Just say
0: whatever we want.
1: Yeah, and then if someone says, you guys said this, we can say, well, if you listen closely, it was a hyper-speculation moment, so... Yeah, all right. Anyway. Well, so <laughs>
0: there you go. Don't listen don't listen to the next minute and a half as Gon's goes through his hyper speculation moment. Yeah. Okay.
1: So you can see that even even after the flood when Noah you, you know, Noah was a man of soil, you know, proceeded to plant a vineyard and all this stuff. Right. Cain's line was like metal, bronze tools and tents and you know, just all this stuff. And we we just talked about this how you, you know, Adam's line perhaps had this symbiotic relationship with nature and, and we were you know once one and, and the canes lines over there you know making hybrids and maybe right. like fallen angels and getting nephilim all over the place and Just
0: doing weird stuff
1: yeah and so and so there's obviously a genetic tampering right that happens right. in Cain's line like it's something bad happens and could this be like the fifth race that we always hear about the Aryan race and all this stuff that we that's it's actually attributed to Atlantis could it yeah. be that they're either the sons of God or or maybe they're, you know, the first class of Nephilim that created some kind of uh, hierarchy? I mean, who knows? But I think, okay, so, okay, let's, let's consider the possibility that before the flood, the world, that's what people refer to as Atlantis. And it was, that was part of uh, the judgment of God during Noah's flood was, hey, we're destroying Atlantis.
0: Okay. But there's, right.
1: a, there's another possibility here. But to get there, we have to... We have to sort of speculate. We got to continue speculating
0: <laughs> All right. Continue the the regular speculation or hyper speculation? I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Okay. Let's just continue. All right.
1: So there's, when you read like Graham Hancock's work or you read some, uh, obviously, Zacharias Sitchin and some of these other guys, they talk about, you know, the Anunnaki or some other God race, right? Lowercase g, God beings that right. came down. I mean most of them think that's just aliens or whatever. Right. But they they talk about how they they acknowledge that the flood happened, but they they also, you know, twist things around and they say like, "Oh, you know, the uh these gods uh created a craft and Noah's ark was actually like an aircraft and they went out into space and they you know, they came back down and and whatever." So they have these different things. So when we look at it through the filter of the Bible, you know, Genesis 6 talks about uh, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, uh, there were Nephilim in the land. And also afterwards, you know, and then we've debated right. about what that means. Was it a second incursion? Was it a, did the sons of God just come back? Or, or so, Right. So again, the possibility that like, okay, these other accounts talk about these beings lifting off the earth and then coming back down. Maybe they did, you know, that's just speculating. Yeah. Like maybe the bad guys, if you will, right. did do that. And the other possibility is that, uh, this is Rob Skibo's theory and so I'm sure some of you guys are pretty well versed in this but his his theory is that Ham's wife had some kind of contaminated Nephilim DNA and it's true that when you look at Ham's line it's like all the terrible c- tribes and clans and stuff come from Ham.
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate, Ham's. <laughs> I mean I mean Nebuchadnezzar came from Ham?
1: There, yeah. You mean uh you mean Not- uh I mean Nimrod. Nimrod, Nimrod. Nimrod, Nimrod. There it is. That's that's the uh, pharmakia speaking there. That's. He wants you to be confused.
0: Whew, I need to
1: focus. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's that's a possibility. Another possibility to just speculate is that Ham just Ham himself smuggled uh, onto the ark some tablets or something, some knowledge of whatever these uh these other guys had. But actually jumping back to Rob Skiba's theory, um Tubal Cain's sister, uh, in that verse that talks about tubal Cain, it says uh, you know, he had a sister named Naama. And when you look up what that word means, it means uh pass in beauty, be delight, be pleasant. So maybe maybe she was the one that uh
0: Maybe she was uh, Nephilim?
1: Well, what? I'm saying I'm saying maybe she was, you know. If okay, let's, let's. She
0: was desired by the sons of God. Right, she was the
1: okay. one that was like spreading she, the love.
0: Oh, Mama, the <laughs> one not not wearing the head covering, <laughs> as we discussed with Michael Heiser.
1: Exactly, we're going to do as many uh, Heiser episode pitches that we can fit into <laughs> this episode.
0: She wasn't wearing her traditional head covering, and she had beautiful
1: hair right and so the sons of god were like that means good babies but meant she was fertile right and so out come these nephilim okay terrorize uh i mean uh, what a uh, what do you do as a parent when your child is a nephilim
0: (laughs) yeah my mom thought she had it bad
1: (laughs) (laughs) um okay so any of these things are possible uh, a bringing sacred knowledge on you know the dna thing and then the third one is obviously that the second incursion that uh the sons of god just came back somehow either they left and they and they came back but but here's what i'm trying to think of here and i'm, I'm speculating again and again, okay we're not bible scholars here we're just a couple of chumps trying to so
0: are you are you talking about how the technology how technology made it past the flood is that what you're referring to
1: not necessarily the technology, but whatever information was necessary for the sons of God or, you know, these beings to openly communicate with with humans and influence them in a certain way.
0: What exactly are we saying made it past the flood?
1: Okay, it's possible that okay. because we're what we're trying to figure out is how the Nephilim were around after the flood as well. And obviously we read the Old Testament and there's all sorts of crazy tribes running around all happen to come from Ham's line that are uh, terrorizing people. And God tells the Israelites to wipe them out. Right. Right. And so knowing that we know that something happened, you know, somehow the Nephilim thing reappeared after the flood, after the judgment of the earth of, of, you know, wiping the, the most, you know, the other guys out. Okay. So the speculation is many layers of speculation. One is that, okay, what's the information that was passed or, I mean the information could have been passed genetically, as Rob Skiba says, through Ham's wife, or right. it could have been a tablet that Ham brought onto the ship, or the actual sons of God just came back. You know, they survived the flood Some, and they came back. Something
0: made it past the flood to corrupt. Um, right.
1: And and this is gonna this is gonna, you know, bother the uh, people that are really hold on to their Bible because they say, No, everybody everything was destroyed, you know, everything that crawled the earth was destroyed. Right. But uh you well, know, what I, if
0: they weren't on the earth? That's
1: that's yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that was my point. And then
0: there we go. The,
1: the other theory that, uh, I mean, I, I know this is not a new theory, but something that I was thinking about was the curse of Canaan, um, opening up portals or allowing some of these entities to communicate openly with humans again. And in Genesis nine twenty four, uh, it talks about how Noah, you know, after he plants a vineyard, cause he was a, you know, he was a farming guy and he, uh, you know, drinks his wine. He has a little bit too much wine, and then in Genesis nine twenty four it says, "No, when Noah woke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, uh, he cursed him." So, you know, I was reading that and I'm like, "Man, Ham must have done something pretty bad there." I mean, the understanding is normally that like, "Oh, Ham saw his father naked," and back in those days it was a no no, which I agree. That's probably. I mean, it says that. It's
0: a little bit of a no-no nowadays, I'd say.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, I mean, something weird. Something weird. Okay. So, Canaan is cursed. And when we look at people who are cursed previous to that, obviously, you know, man, Satan, they're, they're cursed, kicked out of the garden. But then the first one that's really cursed post-fall of man is Cain. And he, you know, look what happened to Cain's line and all sorts of crazy stuff happened, right, with Tubal Cain and all those guys. Okay. And then you look at Canaan's line, and I mean, it's possible that he opened something up and he shared it with his brothers, and I mean, it goes out of control.
0: True. The, Ham's okay. kids are
1: just out of control.
0: <laughs> Ham, get your kids <laughs> under control, man. Yeah, well, it's it's true. I mean, Ham's line has caused quite a stir in the historical references, and so now we have Canaan who's cursed because of something that happened, you know, while Noah was drunk and naked <laughs> and so <laughs> and so where do we go from there
1: well okay so i mean those are the theories of how possibly the right the information how, was passed how
0: some more evil or some more corruption could have been introduced after the flood right because right. obviously something has gone wrong right so we're we're a couple thousand we're a few thousand years after the flood and uh
1: Well, I wouldn't say a few thousand. I mean, probably a few hundred because they lived longer then, but...
0: No, I'm talking about right now. Oh, oh, okay. And things have gone awry. Right. So, obviously, something has gone wrong. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about the line of Ham real quick. Let's just get it straight.
1: Okay, so...
0: How how bad are these kids? Okay,
1: so so Ham has Cush, and it's interesting because it gives Cush's line, like it gives two more lines after Cush. But then after that, it says Cush is the father of Nimrod who Nimrod. built the tower. So, I mean, it, it makes me think like
0: we've, we've basically got ham. Who's the great, great grandfather of Nimrod and Nimrod being probably the biggest blatant, you know, slap in God's face. Right. In the human race at that point.
1: Right. And obviously uh, God puts an end to the tower of Babel, but he, it doesn't really tell us what happened after that. Like what happened to Nimrod, you know, where'd he go? What, What did his people do? And, you know, so another another hole for speculation. But uh, yeah, so some of the other kids that Ham had, obviously Canaan. Canaan's first son was named Sidon, S-I-D-O-N, which in English anyway. And I mean, immediately, if it doesn't spark people's minds with Sidonia and the Phoenician, the symbolism there of the rising Phoenix and everything that comes from that. And even Mars, all the uh, astrological knowledge there. And then it you know, from there the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites came after that. So
0: Right. And which are basically all of the people that, you know, when we talk about the Old Testament, God's like talking to his people and he's going to the, the land and kill everyone, smite right. them. And you know, this this is where you know, a lot of times people are you know, well. You know, the God of the Old Testament was a little bit grumpy all the time and wanted to smite everyone. But when we're talking about the Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites and everybody of these guys, these came from the corrupted line of
1: Ham. Right. See, that's the thing that really gets at me is like this information, although it sounds just off the wall and there is some points of speculation, really it helps tie together a lot of. Uh, it really does.
0: I, I mean, this isn't just arbitrary God you know telling his people to to just slaughter. slaughter for no reason right you know this slaughter is part of a, a long generational rebellion that included mating with the sons of god's other other celestial creatures it included nimrod the god king who built the tower of babel who who you know we're talking about some serious lines of rebellion here and this shouldn't be this should not be surprising to us, you know. There's a lot of talk of generational um, issues with God, and and you know y- we all might die and and we'll forget about them. But you know, God, it's it's this is a long story
1: happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if we continue on with some of the kids that Ham had, obviously we were on Canaan. Uh, Canaan's clans eventually become occupants of Sodom and Gomorrah. So there you go. You know, God probably trying go. to squash them again. Uh, another one. And they were going after strange flesh there. So, you know, they were, and that's not just homosexuals. I think they were, they were going after strange flesh, like, like,
0: right. like well, aliens. We're, and we're talking about <laughs> chimeras and we're talking about all sorts of strange things.
1: Right. Right. And then another uh, kid that ham had was named Mizram, which basically means Egypt. And that was uh he, he from his line uh, came the castle heights. I don't know how to pronounce that cause I don't know. Uh, but that was the line that the Philistines came from. So, again, giants. Now we
0: have the Philistines. Right. Come on. Yeah, this is all
1: coming from the same line, which is... And
0: that's the thing. Once you start making these connections, the Old Testament really starts making a little bit more sense.
1: Right, right. At least
0: to our tiny, tiny human brains. Our
1: tiny, human, confused, confused little brains. So, when we look at... After that, after this happens, in Genesis ten twenty five, there's a genealogy there. And uh, it goes from Noah. And and if you follow the line of Shem, which is another one of the sons of Noah, you get to this guy uh, named Eber. And then Eber had two sons, and one of them was named Peleg. And it actually says there in Genesis 10, 25, Uh, the name of one was Peleg for in his days, the earth was divided or the earth was split. Uh, And then it says his brother's name was Joktan. The earth being split, the word there is the same word as firmament in Genesis, which uh, again, we can start speculating all sorts of things because when you start thinking about, Hey, maybe after the flood, some of the geology changed and the tectonic plates started moving and it took a little while for stuff to settle. Right. And uh, you know, when Peleg was around a, a major catastrophe happened where, perhaps this uh, island out in the middle of the Atlantic sank. And maybe that was the last place where after, you know, the Tower of Babel went down, you know, maybe that was the last place where, where they tried to establish this kingdom one last time. And the Bible doesn't talk about it, but we can speculate that. I mean, maybe maybe that was where Nimrod went and tried to do this thing. and Or maybe it was another part of another tribe that was gaining ground on creating some kind of world empire you know who knows
0: well and see that's the that's the thing about the bible as well is you know we're we're given information but we're also not given a lot of information yeah you know we're talking about how cain uh, well for instance in the habit of the bible is to only mention sons or even certain sons of of um you know, offspring of, of certain dudes. Right. And, Sometimes and so they skip
1: generations too. And right. Exactly.
0: And that, that's a good example of the sort of stuff that we're not told. And you, you got to keep in mind that there's a whole um, civilization happening at the time of these stories. So the possibilities of what other humans who are not documented in the Bible are doing is, is endless really.
1: Yeah. And when you look at, uh, and we, just to finish up this Genesis 10 thing here, and again, this, this idea of Peleg, Peleg is mentioned also in Luke 3, and also in First Chronicles uh, 19, uh, and again in Genesis 11. But uh, it mentions Peleg's brother, whose name was Yoktan, and Yoktan, J-O-K-T-A-N in the Bible, his name actually comes from a word name, or word, katan, so it's Q-A-T-O-N, and it basically means he will be made little. Or insignificant. So again, I mean, if you're, if you put on the Atlantis goggles, right. And you read this verse of right. like, okay, Peleg during Peleg's day, the earth was divided. It was, it was split. Something, something catastrophic happened. Right. And then the mention of his brother, Joktan, which means he was made little or insignificant. Like maybe this, there was this great civilization spawning that was made insignificant. You know, I don't know. We can right. speculate on that.
0: Right or he shrank to a tiny size. Right,
1: right, because it's obviously it survived and and,
0: uh, and that's where the race of leprechauns came from.
1: So let me mention this though. Remember earlier when I said that there was five generations from from Enoch to uh, Tubal Cain. I remember you saying that. Well, interestingly, it's five generations from Shem to Peleg when stuff was uh, judged. So hmm. maybe hmm
0: five generations you say.
1: Yeah, maybe there's there's a thing where after about five generations whatever the sons of god were trying to do right was uh starting to come together um after about five generations. Who knows? Who knows? This is just all speculation.
0: Right. Are we referring to an pre-diluvian Atlantis or now Paleg Atlantis. Right.
1: So, th- right, right. So, again, just speculation here. Um, I think the source of the information or the esoteric knowledge or whatever you want to call it, sacred knowledge, okay. is from the antediluvian world. And I think you can call it Atlantis. It kind of turns into a sematic, semantics thing, I think. Okay. But then I think it's possible based on what we know here through the Bible, that this land mass out in the middle of the ocean was, again, the last attempt for the sons of God to like really establish their kingdom on earth. And, and it was the last time God was like, actually, no, that's not going to happen. Like, you, you know, you've already done enough damage. I got to go, you know, I got to go talk to my uh, messianic line and get them to fight people and, and other tribes and stuff to get rid of your mess Basically, clean sort of take, up your mess, yeah, yeah, basically clean up your mess, so the so no more of no more of you, right? so you you guys go away and, and that's that's the end of atlantis, and that's that's where the legend comes from, so okay, I, I kind of think it's it's so not either talking, or it's kind of both, you know,
0: so what you're getting at here is you think that uh the atlantis, the Atlantis is a mixture between the antediluvian sort of world and when that survived or came back or was revived somehow after the flood by the line of Ham, to sort of bring back, you know, the good old days, right? That was destroyed once more.
1: Right. And that's where the sinking Island legend comes from.
0: Right. The sinking Island legend, because that's not what the, uh, the new agers are trying to tell me.
1: What are they trying to tell you?
0: Well, they're trying to tell me that Atlantis was a, an island that um, had all sorts of you know power cortexes and portals and things where these wonderful race of human beings lived who had all sorts of nice powers and glowed and had, had telekinesis and could speak to each other um, without speaking, lived there and sort of watched over the place. And then Martians came. And landed there, and
1: we're Darn Martians.
0: We're hanging out with them, and they sort of got along for a while. And uh, you know, those Martians—they have a more masculine personality, is what I'm told. And and they just started to sort of mess everything up. And you know, push comes to shove, and the island sinks.
1: Yeah, and that's actually uh, portrayed. Uh, that narrative, if you will, was portrayed in a video. I can't remember the name of the video. It's the one where Toth, the... uh,
0: I know the series you're talking about. The series is a YouTube
1: series called Spirit Science. Spirit Science, that's what it was called. Yes. And a lot of that information is actually based on the Emerald Tablets.
0: The Emerald Tablets, what are those?
1: Um, That's what they sound like, they're Emerald Tablets. (laughs) I mean, I don't think there's anything crazy okay
0: all right so they're emerald emerald tablets and these this is uh from a guy named toth
1: allegedly toth is the one that delivered this message to some people in the ancient days and they wrote it down on these jade or actually no i think the toth gave it to him right uh on these uh emerald tablets and
0: and toth is a guy he's actually familiar a lot of us would would recognize him if we saw a depiction of him.
1: Yeah, yeah, and actually, you know, alluding back to my uh, elementary school days, we drew pictures of Toth. You know? Yeah, <laughs> we drew pictures of the guy with the with the bird face.
0: For those know? of you who who aren't familiar with Toth, he is was he a, an Egyptian god or was he he's
1: just? An, he's an Egyptian god.
0: Egyptian god. He is the guy with the big, uh, striped blue and gold hair and a bird face. Bird face.
1: Yeah, and and he he he's associated with. Apollonius and Akhenaten and Hermes is another form that he uh, takes, if you will. And, and, you know, that's where the hermetical order and stuff, all the, uh, you know, the esoteric stuff comes from. And, um, you know, just interestingly, also the, the Taoist tradition, they even have legends of jade books that contain sacred knowledge. Um, And, and also in Sumerian lore, uh, there's a character named Nisaba who continually seeks wisdom for a star map from the tablets made from precious stone. Um, right. And, and also in Muslim mystical lore, the archangel is Raphael is an owner of a jeweled tablet of fate. So tablets are uh, a big thing. And then, you so, know,
0: so shiny tablets. Toth is another one of these guys who, who brought shiny tablets to the people of Atlantis. Right. And, um, Written on these tablets were sort of the story of history and some commandments and ancient wisdom. Ancient wisdom, exactly. That's how I'd put it. And this ancient wisdom, you guessed it, is also held very delightfully tightly by our good friends, the Freemasons and the Illuminati, and stuff like that. And you can actually get a copy of the translated. Emerald tablets and see sort of what he has to say. Yeah. And some of that's pretty interesting, is it not?
1: Gons? Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that in a second, but uh, a couple of things I wanted to point out. Sure. Um, one, I think it's, <laughs> I'm reading through, as I was reading through the list of like ancient, you know, records or mythology or whatever you want to call it of these tablets, they're always like, they're emerald or they're jade or they're, you know, these star maps and they're these things. And then, you know, God of the Old Testament, our God uses stone yeah yeah. it's like like he's not really into the glitz and glamour thing
0: yeah he's a pretty straightforward guy that's how he works i mean he sent little baby born in in a feeding trough and you know gives us uh some info on just regular stone tablets and it's not shiny at all and everyone else gets these highly valued precious stones a jeweled
1: tablet of fate yes
0: and the golden tablets. And the golden you know, tablets, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Well,
1: uh, well, yeah. These uh, these back to the uh, the emerald right. tablets. Um, the version that uh, we're gonna quote here was done by some doctor a couple centuries ago as a translation, and many people believe that the um, that this translation and and also just the the records of the emerald tablets contain the secrets of alchemy and and you know all the the ancient knowledge or what not. Right. Um. But the history of the origin of the tablets is, is kind of murky. Like, people don't really know exactly where it comes from, um, and there's various stories about what you know what how it happened. You know, one there's a version that says uh, Hermes, who's the one that actually like recorded it, who is also known as Toth, uh, was the son of Adam, who wrote how to atone for Adam's sins. So that's in some mythology. Um, okay. The Jewish mystics say that it was written by Seth, and was preserved and brought on the Ark of Noah, which again
0: which could be could um, have been an explanation. Right, right,
1: right. Could have been Ham, uh, you know, bringing stuff he shouldn't have.
0: Just hamming it up. Sorry. It's
1: all right. It's all right. I could. You're 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 doing good. You're doing good. Um. You know, there's a couple versions of the story that says that Noah hid it, and then Moses found it. And another version says Abraham's wife Sarah found it later, and it contained the information for the Ark of the Covenant. And um, I mean, you know, there's all sorts of. But anyway, there's there's a bunch of different things going on, and no one exactly knows where the originals are. Some people say it's in the Ark of the Covenant. Others have you know speculated that it's. Buried somewhere, or some some illuminist has it, or something. I mean, who knows? Who knows where they are?
0: Right, and we'll find out when we start talking about the context of the Emerald Tablets. That uh, hopefully they're nowhere near any of those places.
1: Right, but one thing that stayed consistent with everything was that they were rectangular green tablets, and the relief lettering of some kind of strange alphabet resembled something that looked like it was from ancient Phoenician. So, are are these contemporary
0: things that people have seen that they exist or see. Where? I, don't,
1: I don't know because, because they've only been, I think they've only been passed down through quote unquote translations. Okay. But, but at the same time, you know, there's rumors and stuff of people hearing it through the centuries. So it's, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, academically people say that it's, you know, just a myth or whatever, but right. Who okay. knows, you know? All right. Um, and then uh, you know, I found this this point interesting as well. That the uh, the Catholic Church at one point taught some of the information that was in the Emerald Tablets as classic, <laughs> as uh, you know, uh, they th- they felt it supported Christian doctrine, and um, it was required reading for European scholars. Uh, Corpus is,
0: Hermeticism.
1: Yep. Hermeticum. Hermeticum. Yep. Um, and you know, even today, there's there's uh, images of Hermes put all over the cathedrals and, and oh, yeah. you know, places like that and Vatican and stuff like that. So who knows? Um, but one last point before we go into the actual text here, but uh, in 1614, a Protestant scholar named Isaac Casabon, uh he came out and declared that these documents um, of, uh, you know, the Emerald tablets were written by semi-Christians. Uh, they were forgeries that were made sometime between 200 and 300 AD he based it off of the linguistic analysis of the era. And for the next 200 years after that, hermetic literature, which supposedly was embraced by early Christians, was condemned by Christians everywhere after that point. And uh, the the emerald tablets basically became underground. And the, the right. story is that at that, that's the point when the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons picked it up. And, and I mean, if you think about 1614, that's, that's right around when Columbus sailed and found the new land. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't a few years after that, when uh, Sir Francis Bacon wrote the new Atlantis, I think it was the end of the 1600s. So it all kind of makes sense that it it went underground, right. You know, our great Protestant uh, ancestors there.
0: Right. Okay. So now before we get into the contents of the, the emerald tablets, which is so interesting when we start comparing them to the Bible and placing exactly who is who and what is what when you start comparing the literature. Keep in mind what we just talked about, which is the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons in their underground dealings sort of took in the the teachings of the emerald tablets and sort of integrated them into their, you know, I'm not even a really sure. Yeah, I guess we'll just call it a belief system. Um, Old and so, and like Gons just mentioned, Sir Francis Bacon and the the uh, New Atlantis, and those of you here in America, America, as m- many of you may know, we may we've uh, talked about this before. Was you know meant to be the New Atlantis, and so yeah, this this is where you know the the founding fathers and the really you know the founding doctrines of this country were based on. And so when we read into this and we start talking about the Emerald Tablets and what it means, um, just keep in mind what that means for us and what it means for, you know, uh, to have our leaders and the creation of our country be based off of, well, you know, at least include ideas from these tablets.
1: Right. You know, it's really funny because... And we'll get into the text, but when you start reading some of the Emerald Tablets, or at least the translations of uh, this this one guy that we have that for for this episode, you start finding themes that sound like wisdom that you would do. find in the Bible. You know what I it's mean? It's great.
0: It's, it does. It sounds like it's biblical, and it sounds and it it's a perfect allusion to the the deception and the slight twists and how it's so easily to be. Uh, fooled by, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just picture guys like John Adams and, and Ben Franklin, these guys sitting around at a table and reading the Emerald Tablets and then going, well, I mean, these principles are in the Bible too. We'll just tell everybody we got this information from the Bible and right. then everyone will love us. And <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? And And that could totally be a possibility. Exactly.
0: And in fact, I mean, there's a lot of documented historical quotes and facts and things that you know, show that may not be too far from the truth. Right. When our founders declared a new order of the ages, they were acting on an ancient hope that is meant to be fulfilled.
1: So, okay. The basic idea here is that, uh, that Toth or Toth, uh, who was allegedly an Atlantean gave humanity universal wisdom and he came to help humanity. He was the God who established Egypt as a great civilization and, in the tablets, it talks about Toth, and Toth is speaking, I think, first person here mo- throughout most of the tablets. Right. But um, he teaches, I'm just going to read it here. Now for a time I descend, and the men of Chem shall know me no more. But in a time yet unborn, I will rise again, mighty and potent, requiring an accounting of those left behind me. Then beware, O men of Chem, if ye have falsely betrayed my teaching, for I shall cast ye down from... Your highest state into the darkness of the caves where, uh, from whence you came. Uh, betray not my secrets to the men of the north or the men of the south, lest my curse fall upon ye. And what's interesting is that chem, Khem, K-H-E-M, could on me. very much be talking about Ham in the Bible. And the reason Boom. why uh, that possibility exists is because Ham in the Hebrew is actually chem It's c h a m. And it means hot. And I don't know if the, the hotness has anything to do with it. But, but we know that one of Ham's kids uh, named Mizraim, that name is Egypt. That's the, where the name Egypt comes from. right? And that's, you know, again, that's the line where we get the Philistines and the, the craziness going on. So, so, right. when, so when Toth is talking about, hey, I established Egypt and I did it through the men of Kem, right. it's quite possible that he's uh, talking about Ham.
0: Ham and Ham's line, who were the basically the bearers of the antediluvian corruption after the flood into that world,
1: right? And and I don't know. I just think it's really interesting that the narrative kind of sounds like it's, hey, you know, I help these people out after the flood. I'm here to help rebuild civilization, and it, right. it's just very, it's very strange.
0: It is very strange. That's what it is.
1: Um but let's move on here with the text. Okay, so here's another one, another part that's that's kind of interesting here. He talks about the flood and he yeah. says, um, over the world then broke the great waters, drowning and sinking, changing earth's balance until only the temple of light was left, standing on the great mountain on Undal, still rising out of the water. Some there who were living saved from the rush of the fountains. So he seems to be indicating that the top of a great mountain, which was Atlantis, according to him, didn't sink underwater, which is problematic if you're a Bible believer, because the Bible says the water covered the entire
0: earth. Right. But then it says something about, fast we fled toward the sun of the morning, until beneath us lay the land of the children of Kent. Now, we talk about fast we fled toward the sun of the morning. There's a few things we can talk about here. One being sun of the morning being the sun in the sky, which would seem to support some sort of flying vehicle vehicle or or something. Or if you think of toward the sun of the morning, you know, the morning star. Right.
1: Well, we know Venus being that that also alluding to that. But yeah, you're right. The sun of the morning being Lucifer.
0: Right. Lucifer, the light bear. And until beneath us lay the land of the children of Chem, the children of Ham, presumably, I don't know, maybe sounds like earth. Yeah. Um, raging, they came out with cudgels and spears, lifted in anger, seeking to slay and utterly destroy the sons of Atlantis. So here it's, you know, there's nothing really biblical
1: going on right there. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it deviates in, on all the details of what right. what happened. It's like, no, the flood really didn't cover the earth. Uh no, you know, we actually went off planet and then came back down, and these children of Chem were trying to kill us. So
0: well, you see, that's that's the interesting thing because here it'll say, Over the world then broke the great waters, drowning and seeking, changing the earth's balance. Sure there was a flood. Of course there was a flood. Everybody right. knows that. The Bible says that. The flood's there. But You know, and then throws in a little twist saying, well, there was the top of a great mountain and on top of this mountain, there were some who were spared. Right,
1: and he's one of those who was spared.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and even to speculate a little bit, and this is, you know, I'm not trying to deviate at all from biblical accounts, but if there were a great mountain that was sticking out of the water and a few people survived there or a few beings survived there, perhaps that might be where the remnants survived to continue the corruption of the human race. Right. But so that's just an interesting um or speculation, but then it says we fled toward the sun of the morning, which, you know, could be flying out into outer space or we ran to Lucifer. You know, we we ran to the morning star. Right. Lucifer. And so you know, maybe it's something like, you know, Satan helped us out a little bit.
1: Right. And and if you hadn't noticed, we're, we're rendering this emerald tablet with biblical eyes. And, you know, we kind of just snuck it in there. But I think you guys realize that it's what we're talking about here is.
0: The emerald tablets are obviously from, you know, the enemy's hand. Right. They're slight biblical references and then saying, well, but, but this but you know but 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 and then it it goes on and ends with now before me opens the portal go i down into darkness of night and (coughs) toth toth or is it toth or toth i think
1: toth toth i've been saying toth i think so toth or
0: toth 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 um (laughs) he he he, tater tots tater tots uh, continually talks about how he i mean he basically lives in the underworld right that's he's from right it's just you know right off the top of your head we know that this guy is uh, is of the enemy and so
1: well yeah and he keeps alluding to this idea that he you have to pass through the dark halls of the menti these this dark underworld to get to the place of light where all these other god beings live and and all this stuff and it just sounds way too much like a lot of the same occult teachings that you hear in the secret societies
0: absolutely does and and
1: well, um, even even some of the initiation rituals of being blindfolded, and you know the ref- rumors, the rumors of what people go through to be in some of these good old boy clubs, you know.
0: Exactly. And what is that young woman's name? Who is who is? Svali. Svali. Svali talks about some of the rituals that she went through, being based on this principle where you have to go down into the darkness to be able to be, you know, enlightened. Right. Uh, You know, coincidentally, just a little rabbit trail. It's interesting if you look at this passage or this part of Toth's story through the eyes of a hollow earth theory. Yeah. Like down through a tunnel to get to, you know, a light inside the earth. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar, hollow earth theory is a theory where um, the earth is actually hollow and inside is, you know, a, a whole new world with giant beings and stuff like that. So that's a whole nother episode. We've talked about it before, but you can look into that if you want. Well, I mean, so-
1: just to touch on that point, sure. if you, if you look at the fourth section of the book of Enoch, it actually talks about uh, the Lord talking to the archangel Michael. And he, you know, he, he tells him to go and form Semyaza, who's one of the fallen angels running around that they're going to be bound for 70 generations under the hills of the earth until right. the day of judgment, until they're thrown into basically the abyss of fire. So, right. you know, even that, they there's, you know, any ancient text, it's funny how you read it. And there's always this connection to these guys going to this other world. And Toth is no exception. He's definitely talks about how he has to go to the underworld and right. do his thing. And then, you know, this whole thing made me think about Revelation 9. Where, you know, obviously most people know this, where it talks about, and out of the smoke of locusts came and down, came down upon the earth and they were given power like that of scorpions and, uh, right. you know, the locusts were preparing for looked battle like, and they looked like horses, they looked like horses with human faces, but they were like, they had right. things like scorpions and they had crowns of gold. <laughs> and I mean, they're, they're just, a, I mean,
0: come pretty, on, <laughs> pretty messed up, pretty, bunch. pretty messed
1: up. Um, <laughs> But the leader, the leader of this, this, uh, basically army thing that comes out of the abyss, uh, is Abaddon and in the Greek it's Apollyon. Right. And so let me read this, this part from the Emerald Tablets that comes towards the end of the Emerald Tablets. Uh, and this is what Toth says here. He says, upon earth, I am the holder of the keys to the gates of the sacred land. Command I by the powers beyond me to leave the keys to the world of man, before I depart, I give ye the secrets of how ye may rise from the bondage of darkness, cast off the fetters of flesh, and have bound ye rise from the darkness into light. And so, it's just, it's a really actually that sounds really gnostic, but the, right. the point that that I wanted to uh, highlight is when he says, "Upon earth, I am the holder of the keys to the gates of the sacred land." Right. And obviously, if this is Lucifer, his sacred land is like the underworld, right? So, right. So you read Revelation nine uh the first verse and it says the first angel sounded his trumpet and i saw a star that fell from the sky to the earth lucifer lucifer son of the morning right Right. and then it says the star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss
0: it's so (laughs) awesome i love how it connects so perfectly
1: so here's toth he's like i have the key and then Revelation's like, yeah, the one who has the key is uh, the one who opens the abyss, and
0: right, he's already. I mean, it, Satan has already given himself away in these emerald tablets. Yeah. I mean, he's he's all he's there. Either it's himself or it's someone you know just right you know right there with him, talking. It just it. it the language used in these emerald tablets is so much so that you would read it and you would think, oh, yeah, okay, good, yes, lead us to the light, this is wonderful. you know. And you could totally see how these guys would cling on to this thinking, you know, it's kind of biblical-esque sounding right, right. principles. And then you read it and it's literally Satan describing you know, lying to everybody, using his name. You know, I'm. I'll, I'll bring you to the light. I'll, I'll enlighten you. You know, just come down into the abyss with me for because i hold the keys to the abyss and come with me and and we will you know and and i'll give you all the knowledge and you will rise from the bondage of darkness i
1: will give you this cool bird mask right
0: and i'll yeah exactly that's 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 a different translation but and then it's just exa- it mirrors this revelation 9 Nine one, and when I say mirror, I mean exactly that. It's mirror. It's not exact. It's counterfeit. It's it's counterfeit. It's opposite. It's the exact opposite. But it, it's almost like they. (laughs) It's it's almost like I I I don't even know what to say about it. I mean, it's exactly what it is. You know, it says they're right right there in Revelation. Yeah, and so when, when you look at the Emerald Tablets with biblical eyes, you see it is a letter, basically from Satan or the enemy or whoever's in charge at this point. You know, some, some uh, fallen angel who's, you know, trying to pull a con on the, the esoteric believers saying that he's Toth and wants to lead us all down into um, the
1: darkness. So, <laughs> and, so that we can be light bringers. Yeah, exactly. ourselves.
0: Yeah, so I th- the thing that I take away from this and 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 this is just how it is re- reading these esoteric writings is that it sounds biblical the the principles sound biblical when you read them and that's how so many have been deceived by this yeah but then when you actually look at it through biblical eyes it's so blatant that it's the enemy and he's doing a wonderful job of tricking people i mean like we talked about before, the founding fathers of the United States, and a lot of the don't get me wrong around the world, this is a worldwide thing, the Illuminati, the Freemasons, all the powers that be they subscribe to this, you know yeah. not only this but more, and so when you think that you know this is actually what they meant when they were writing about you know, so many things at the beginning of our nation and, and building the monuments and painting the paintings that Jesus is in none of them. But right old, you know, we have Apollyon, we have everybody else. We have the
1: apotheosis of George Washington.
0: Exactly. We have George Washington and, you Turn, know, we,
1: ascending into Godhood Exactly <laughs> in the tundra.
0: Exactly. Oh boy. So, yeah. So that's, that's the fun part, and and to see how things like this fit in a biblical sense—not in a good way, mind you—but in you know the opposite way, right? Uh, and so, when if we go back to Atlantis for a moment, we see that Toth or Toth is the representative of Atlantis. He's the Atlantean. You know, he's the one who holds the knowledge from Atlantis. Right,
1: right. He's passing it down to humanity.
0: Right, exactly. And so, you know, there's no wonder why, you know, you can get funding to send robots (laughs) to the bottom of the ocean to find Atlantis. Right. Because most powerful, the wealthiest men in the world are... um,
1: They're trying to rebuild the same. They're trying to rebuild the city of Enoch. They're trying to rebuild the Tower of Babel. They're the same thing. The same plan, exactly that was put in place. You know, since the Garden of Eden, they're they're just trying to do, and right. fortunately there's people that are uh, being fooled by this too. And exactly, they just happen and, to be very powerful,
0: <laughs> right? And so we we don't talk about Atlantis and the way that it fits into the Bible. We don't talk about the Emerald Tablet and the way they co- they they relate to the Bible in order to you know somehow try to fit them into dogma or dogma. Right. know thine enemy you know right know know the the workings of darkness so you'll know how to expose them
1: expose them right yeah and this is i think a great example of that because you know like you said this it reads like any other occult writing that again they always have like they always want to have some kind of like biblical reference or so, some kind of historical reference that the bible confirms to right. have that like little bit of credibility, you know, like, Oh yeah, there's a little bit of this, this truth that, you know, from the past or from whatever. Uh, right. but here's more, you know, you, you're not being told the whole story. So exactly. Listen to the, the bird face man because he has all the, and you know, and if you read some of the other, you know, history of, of ancient Egypt, uh, you find that Toth is also, uh, responsible for, you know, the, the, the trio of gods, Osiris, Horus, and Isis, uh, that whole right. story comes directly from Toth, you know, basically Toth having children, and that that whole concept again it goes back to the Genesis six of like, hey, God's coming down and mating and having children, and and that being passed down. And I actually ran across um, something that uh, allegedly happened in Japan, or I guess it was the it was in the early nineteen hundreds Japan, because Japan's always been they've always felt that their leaders like their emperors and stuff are descendants from gods, you know, right. Right. They've they've always had that, that belief system there in the Shinto religion there. So same thing. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's just really strange when you start looking at everything and everything kind of makes sense. It's in, in light of knowing that it's not really, I mean, maybe we're making too much of, of what it is. I mean, maybe we're trying to glorify the dots more than they really, you know, maybe there's more, less connection than they're making, we're making out to be. But Perhaps in general, but- I think it's, it's fascinating to look at and at least speculate the possibility that, yeah, this, this other stuff. Yeah. There might be some, you can call it truth, but it's not important truth. You know, it could be an accounting of something that might've gone down, but it's ultimately it doesn't really change the information that we need for salvation. So,
0: right. And well, these are just the things that we need to be educated on because, you know, we live in a world and, and where the new age and the, you know, especially in 2013. Now there's all sorts of hocus pocus going to be going on.
1: Um, Oh, speaking on that real quick, by the way, I just have to inject this. I read, I read, um, you know, there was a lot of talk after the non event uh, there in December 21st, you know, online, all these new age guys, not the, uh, the big, big names. They haven't really come out and said a whole lot, but some of these other, you know, just, smaller people that have bought into the whole idea. There was one that came out and posted on this forum and he was apologizing that the Ascension didn't happen. (laughs) And um, (laughs) his premise was that it's, it was supposed to happen, but uh, the, the bad guys, the, the, the evil energies or whatever prevented it from happening.
0: Oh, And and his
1: proof of this was that his mother got a headache the day, the December 21st, 2012, a really bad headache. And that was supposed to be, Ascension being held back.
0: <laughs> well, if that isn't Ascension being held back, I don't know what is.
1: <laughs> so anyway, I mean, you know, the fallout, the
0: fallout is there. She should have tried some of this Advil PM. Uh, apparently. That's the hard stuff, Apparently man. it
1: makes you hungry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there you have it, folks. Thanks again for tuning in to Canary Cry Radio. We hope you were informed about stimulated a little bit here on Atlantis, Toth and the Emerald Tablets Um, looking at it from a little bit more of a biblical view and making some comparisons, some contrasts make sure to tune in again to Canary Cry Radio and as always, think outside the cage
1: we were supposed to mention something about something at the end right, I don't don't remember. remember what it is um it had something to do with you
0: oh the the accent oh yeah the, I don't yeah, even yeah, you to.
1: were gonna yeah
0: I was just gonna say that was terrible that was just terrible <laughs> yeah, I, was, accent. I, was,
1: I told you I was telling you to apologize to the people for
0: oh I sincerely apologize <laughs> that was, I don't I don't know why you didn't stop me I hold you half account. half
1: responsible half responsible for, half responsible
0: for that. I got to work on my, uh, so I was going to do a whole series of accents, but after hearing that, I don't, I don't even think I could bring myself to do it.
1: Thank you for listening to this
0: episode of Canary Cry Radio. The show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com. Make sure to connect and like our Facebook page at
1: facebook.com canarycryradio. Follow us on Twitter at canarycryradio. If you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. Review us on iTunes with five stars and give us a thumbs up on stumbleupon.com. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting canarycryradio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, remember to think outside the cage.